Hey, it's Adam. Welcome to our weekly teaching podcast here at South Hills Church in Corona, California. Our hope is that as you listen in, you'll find yourself laughing and learning and being challenged and encouraged to grab hold of who God has made you to be. Enjoy the message. I really love that hymn. Maybe some of you recognize this uh, sacred song. Maybe some of you don't. It is from the Reverend Taylor Swift's 1989 album. It's a cover of that. And it sounds funny to sort of talk about this song as a sacred song or a spiritual song, but for me, in, in some ways it kind of is, at least this version of it, because of an experience I had of it. In, uh, towards the end of 2020, I stumbled across this version or this recording of the song. It was sort of like a, a compilation of acoustic cover songs exclusively of this album by this folk artist named Ryan Adams. And I remember listening to it and being really moved by it and not really knowing who wrote it or where it came from, but wanting to share it with other people. And at the time, during the, all the lockdowns that we were experiencing, we had a couple of friends that were living with us at our house at the time, and I wanted them to hear this song. And we had all just gotten back, I think actually from one of the outdoor services we were having here at church at the time, all sort of social distance on the lawn. And we got back home and I was like, hey, I wanna, I wanna, I want you guys to hear something. Would you mind getting in my car? Which is kind of weird, but you know, it's like it got the good speakers. And they were like, sure. And so they got in my car. And right before I was able to like start the song, my kids were like pressed up against the window because they wanted to get in and they were having, my kids have FOMO anytime adults are doing anything. And so they're like, can we get in? I'm like, sure, get in. And so they get in. And now there are six people crammed into my car. I have a, a 2012 Prius, just so you know, it is not a, a spacious vehicle. And everyone's sort of smashed in together. And I'm like, shh. And I push play on this song. And it starts to play and everyone's kind of squirming. But then as soon as like the singing starts, everyone sort of settles in and it just gets silent in the car and everyone's just listening. And the whole song goes by in sort of the same way that you guys heard it tonight. And as it washed over everybody, I was just staring out the front window. And when it was over, I looked around and every single person in the whole car was crying. And of course, I thought I was the only one. So I was kind of like, and looked around and noticed like my boys were crying. My daughter was crying. My two friends were in the car. They were, they were teared up. And it was like, we all had this moment with that song. And yet we were having different moments. Like we were reacting to it for different reasons in different ways. Because this song, it was like it created this, sacred space for us to finally feel the hurt within us that we've been fighting hard not to have to face. Like all these things that had happened over the last year, all these things that we'd lost in the last year but didn't have time to or we didn't know how to grieve them, they all surfaced during that song and we just sat in them together. We were having like these separate experiences together. 
And at first it felt scary to be that vulnerable with other people. And then it felt safe. There's, there's actually a word for these sorts of songs. And I don't know if you've heard it before. It's a churchy kind of word. It's the song, it's the word lament. And maybe that sounds funny for me to use this title for a Taylor Swift song, but I think it fits the profile. And when you think about laments, here's what's crazy. The Bible is full of them. And it's because God somehow, like he, he made us, so he knows that we, we need these things. And I wonder, as you were sitting here in the dark, listening to this song, this lament wash over you, I wonder if there was anything that came up inside of you. In other words, I wonder what loss you might need to lament. A lament really is just a, a sorrowful acceptance that something is what you never wanted it to be. It's the feeling of it's not supposed to be this way. And you probably said that to yourself about something, maybe even this year. Something happened and you sat in the wake of that thing and you thought to yourself, it's not supposed to be this way. He wasn't supposed to leave us. She wasn't supposed to fall in love with somebody else. We weren't supposed to lose our baby. We weren't supposed to have to leave our home behind. I wasn't supposed to have to be reduced to do this for money. I should have been able to, to trust that person. I should have been able to, to protect them from that thing. I think a lament is, is often this sobering realization that you know, this is part of my story now. This thing that happened that I never wanted to happen and the only way forward is through. The only way to actually make it into any sort of future that I can stomach is to move through probably something I don't wanna do, facing the hurt. And I know you have to do this because Jesus had to do it too. In fact, before he goes to die on the cross, which he understands is going to happen, he has this moment in the garden of Gethsemane. It says this in Matthew chapter 26, verse 37, that Jesus became anguished and distressed. He told those with him, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death stay here and keep watch with me. And he went a little further and he bowed with his face to the ground, praying, God, if there's any other way, get me out of this. And I wonder if you've ever whispered those words to heaven before as you were looking at what had taken place and what it was gonna mean and what the future was probably gonna be now. If you ever found yourself saying like, is there, is there any other way? God, you gotta get me out of this. I don't wanna do this. This is not the way this is supposed to go. This is not the way this next season of my life is supposed to be. When I look at this, this story that's the precursor to Easter, I feel like it's one of the most raw human moments in the life of Jesus. And yet, it's interesting because I think it's also a moment that most of us avoid at all costs. Like when was the last time you saw a grown man collapse in utter anguish and distress, face crumpled into the carpet. 
sobbing uncontrollably, their soul crushed with grief as if they were dying because in reality, a part of them did die. And that's what grief is. Grief is confronting the death that we've had to walk through. And I gotta tell you, everybody flinches in the face of death, even Jesus. The garden is proof of that. And also everything dies. Death is everywhere. And I'm talking about people, of course, but I'm also talking about friendships and ideologies and traditions and dreams and relational dynamics and belief systems and the way that you wish it could be forever. Everything eventually dies. And we don't know how to deal with that a lot of the time because we just, when things are good, when things are finally working, when things are finally clicking, we just want them to be the way that we thought they were gonna be forever. And because of that, I think the most devastating death is that of a deeply held expectation. It's facing the fact that I thought it was gonna be this way. I thought it was supposed to be this way. And that's not, that's not the way it's gonna be. This is what Good Friday is about. Dealing with the death of expectations, facing the agony that you've been avoiding, being honest about where you're broken and what broke you and how bad it really hurts. And that's why we create this space in the dark, surrounded by music on this specific night every year. Maybe you're wondering, like, why would I do that? Like, why do I want to allow myself to feel the pain that I've been working so hard to suppress? And for me, it's because of something Jesus says. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, he says this, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. In other words, instead of pushing it down, you, you actually allow yourself to experience it, you walk through it, you actually mourn it and grieve it like Jesus grieves what he was losing and the price he was gonna have to pay for what he ultimately wanted more than anything. And maybe you're wondering like what happens to those who don't mourn or the inverse ends up being true of them, the comfort never comes. And their pain mutates, their hearts harden, their bodies often rebel against them. And instead of being comforted, they just end up coping. And oftentimes the coping makes it worse. And I love that what Jesus shows us here in the garden, he goes all the way in. He's showing us the way, the only way, like whatever that thing was for you, whatever happened that wasn't supposed to happen but did, you are going to have to face it. You're gonna to have to go all the way into it. You're gonna to have to sit and cry and hurt. You're gonna to have to admit to yourself that things are not gonna be the way that you wanted them to be. You're gonna to have to lament. And that's what the garden feels like. But the truth is, if, if you don't walk through the garden, you will never arrive at the resurrection. 
if you don't actually face the pain and the brokenness and the loss of hope and the hurt that comes with it, you'll never actually taste God bringing something from it on the other side that is so much more profound and sweet than you could ever imagine. You have to mourn what can no longer be in order to find fulfillment in what is. Because it's only in these moments where we allow ourselves to feel the pain. It's only when we stop hiding that we can start healing. Around this time of year, I end up processing a lot of Passion Week by looking at different pieces of art. And one I came across a while back that I love is this painting. It's just called Loss. And I love this painting because I have, I have no idea what I'm looking at, but at the same time, I know exactly what I'm looking at. Do you know what I mean? I don't really know what this is or what it's of, and yet when I look at it and I know it's called loss, I can feel something from it. I can feel the chaos. I can feel the craziness. I can feel... I can feel the fact that things are fragmented and torn apart. I can feel that things are ugly and disoriented. And that's the way loss often feels. And I think a lot of what Good Friday entails is us looking into our souls and staring at the canvas of the brokenness of our own lives that looks a lot like this and deciding that we're actually going to name what it represents for us. We're gonna say what it is we lost. We're gonna lament it. We're gonna put it in God's hands and we are going to allow ourselves to hurt in his presence because that's where the comfort comes from. So here's the question I wanna ask to you as we move forward in our evening. We take time to, to sing together and pray. I wanna ask you, like, what... What do you need to let yourself grieve? What do you need to let yourself grieve? I'm guessing that as you're sitting here, something came to mind. And I want you to do more than just think about it. Over here in our, in our prayer corner, um, we've set things up a little bit differently this evening. There's a, a bulletin board there and there's some pieces of paper and some pens. And I want to encourage you as we move into this time of worship to stand up and walk over and go to the prayer corner, take one of the scraps of paper, be honest with yourself and God about what it is you need to let yourself grieve, to write that thing down and symbolically with the tack pin it to the bulletin board as a way of just giving it to God and determining that you are not gonna hide from it anymore, that you're gonna walk through the pain of it so that you can experience what God has for you on the other side. This is what it is to take a moment in the garden. And that's what we want to invite you to do with us. Before Jesus goes to the garden, he sits at a table 
and he has what we think of as the Last Supper. He has this elaborate meal that's sort of a celebration of something that God has done in the past of these people's lives. Their ancestors experienced this freedom from slavery in Egypt and they commemorated what God had done for them before by celebrating this meal over and over and over again. And oftentimes when we sort of re-celebrate this or think back on it or take communion together, we think of it as a really solemn experience, but at least this particular meal uh, was a party, at least at first. It wasn't a sad meal, it was a happy meal. I mean, not like, like a McDonald's happy meal, but like, because they don't have hummus. But, um, but this particular meal was exciting. It's, it's more akin to when you look forward to the Christmas holiday and all of your family and friends are gonna get back together after you haven't seen them for a really long time. And the person in your life is gonna make that one dish that you love. And they're gonna read that one poem that you love. And you're gonna enact this tradition that gives you all the feels. That's this moment. And it's all of these people having this incredible exchange together. It's this celebration right before a moment of heavy disappointment, which I feel like is always the way it is. And what I think is interesting about it is nobody except for Jesus has any idea about what's coming next. He's the only one who knows about the garden. He's the only one who knows really about the cross. And I think in each of our lives, the table really only makes sense in light of the garden. Like we seldom realize how good something is until it's gone. And I bet you've had this experience at some point in your life. Like you thought to yourself, like I didn't know how amazing that moment was until I realized that was the last one I was gonna get. I didn't know how important they were to me until they were gone. I didn't know how beautiful that season of my life was until I realized that it fully slipped through my fingers. I didn't know how great I had it until I didn't have it anymore. Jesus, I think, was the only one who was truly able to make the most of the table because he was the only one who knew he was about to face the cross. And this is something just about human nature. We savor everything so much more when we know it's our last. I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who knew that they were about to die, but there is a beauty in everything that they do and see and experience and touch because they have this awareness that it may be the very last time. There's a presence to those people that I think so many of us wish we had, but don't. I wonder how many of the disciples, once they got to the garden, and then saw Jesus die on a cross, I wonder if they looked back at the table and thought to themselves, I wish I would have known what was going on when it was going on. I wish I would have paid more attention. I wish I would have enjoyed it more. I wish I would have been more grateful. I can't even remember what he said. I don't even remember like what it tasted like. I was sort of speeding through it, thinking for granted that it was just gonna be one of many, many more, but this was the very last one. 
And I think sometimes it's when we're grieving the loss of something that we realize how beautiful it really was. I think it's the sitting for a while in the dark that makes us appreciate every little sliver of light. You ever had one of those moments where the power goes out at your house and it feels like the end of the world? You're like, I can't live in a world without electricity. Take me, Jesus. There's no way forward for me. And it's so weird, like someone, your eyes totally adjust to the dark and then someone like lights a match or somebody gets out a flashlight and all eyes sort of look at that thing and there's this sense of gratefulness for this thing that you normally completely ignore. The match tip, the subtle flashlight light. It feels like something special. And I tell you this because as we move from our moment in the garden backwards to a moment at the table, I, I think this is what communion is. And I want you to think about this as we take communion together over the next few moments. I think communion is really about appreciating the slivers of light in our lives as a result of the sacrifice of Jesus. Understanding that when we come to the table and we take these elements that in the moment Jesus took and ate and reinterpreted them, not about what happened in Egypt, but what was about to happen to all of humanity because his sacrifice. When people looked back on that moment, when the disciples looked back on that special meal, they saw all the slivers of light in those moments with him that they had missed the first time around. And I think when we take these elements in the light of the sacrifice of Jesus, there ought to be this eye-opening moment in which we look around our lives and realize that everything we have is a precious gift from God. Don't wait until the garden to appreciate the table. We're gonna take these next few moments to take communion. We've got a table up here on either side. There's some bread and some juice. And there's also some tables in the back um, towards the end of each aisle. You can go to wherever's closer. I wanna encourage you to take communion, maybe as an individual, maybe as a couple, maybe as a family, maybe you and a friend. And as you take the elements, don't just be thankful for what God did for you. Be thankful, not just that you're free from sin, but that God has gifted you so many countless slivers of light in your life that he wants you to see are a gift from him because of his love for you. Let me pray for you before we take communion together. God, I'm so grateful for your life, for the way in which you lived, for the way in which you love us. God, I pray that our eyes would be opened to really everything that you have given us. Every breath is a gift. Every meal is a gift. Your grace, your mercy is a gift. Every moment we get where we get to sit around a table with our family, our friends, our kids, our parents, these moments that feel like we're gonna get a million of them, we don't, they're limited. God, I pray that we would see the beauty in them before they're gone. And God, I pray that we would love 
and see the beauty in the table set before us before we get to the garden and realize it was our last. Thank you for your death, your sacrifice, and your love for us. In Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. We hope you heard something that spoke directly to where you're at right now in life. To find out more about our church, hit up our website, southhills.org slash corona, or follow us on social media at South Hills Corona. And if our messages have made a difference in your life, help us get the word out by rating and reviewing this podcast. And as always, you can support the ongoing work of our church by giving through our website at southhills.org slash give and selecting the Corona Campus. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless.